want to bring a message this evening. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Out of Revelations 5. Now, most people think Revelations has something to do with something that's going to happen way, way out in the future. But it's the gospel age over and over and over again revealed in the scriptures. The coming of Christ, the gospel being preached, saints being hated and persecuted, and the saints taken to glory. And that happened seven different times in seven different pictures of symbols. But here we have John, the revelator, John the beloved, that disciple whom Jesus loved. This is the one who wrote this book. And you find him described in his own letter by his name in John's gospel is that disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he describes himself. But John had an open door into heaven there in verse 1 of chapter 4. He said, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. You know, you'll see these preachers, they'll look up and say, Oh, I see heaven open. Ah, John really did have an open door into heaven. And he heard a voice, like great trumpet blowing. And it told him, come up and I'm going to show you some things. And John was in the Spirit. He was in the Spirit in such a way, in the Holy Spirit and in his spirit, that what he beheld, he wasn't there physically, his spirit was. And he saw a throne. He saw God sitting there in his glory. Great rainbow around the throne. Like an unto an emerald. Beautiful green. Jasper. God sat on that throne. There's four and twenty elders. Those four and twenty elders, they speak of the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, twelve patriarchs of Israel, twelve apostles. So they're the Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, all by the Lord Jesus Christ, saved by him. And then there's those four beasts. And they saw him, him sitting there, and he saw God's glory. He saw God's glory there in that beast and the... Uh, and the uh, Sitting around God's glory, crying, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty. And then here, there he saw God's glory, and he's in the Spirit. And here in chapter 5, after he saw the glory of God, and God's sitting on his throne. God's sitting on his throne. And if you ever see God and ever see his glory, that's the only place you'll ever see him sitting on his throne. That's where Isaiah saw him. You'll see him on his throne. This idea that he's not on his throne that he's at our beck and call, that he can't do nothing without us, is as foreign to scriptures as daylight is from dark, as foreign to anything being God. If he has to wait on us, he couldn't possibly be God. Well, here he sees God's government. Saw God's glory in chapter 4. He sees God's government here in chapter 5. And I won't read the whole chapter. We'll go through it verse by verse as we go through it. And here he says, And I saw, in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Now, see, he's in heaven in the spirit, and he sees the throne, God and his glory on his throne. They're crying, holy, holy, holy. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Now, beloved, this book that was in the right hand of God sitting on his throne, it was written on both sides of the pages, said written within and without, written on both sides of the pages. And this book, on the, on, the, on the covering of it, had seven seals, had never been broken before. And what this book is, is, is it sits there in God's hand, in his right hand. This book is God's eternal decree, his eternal purpose, his counsels. 
known unto God are all his works from the beginning of creation. God declared the end from the beginning and the things that are not yet done said, all my counsel shall stand and I'll do my pleasure. He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And God said, have I not purposed and it shall not come to pass? So see what this is, beloved. The affairs of this world in this book are fixed. Everything is fixed. And they're all written in this blessed book. And I am thankful that everything in this world is fixed. I don't have to know what they are. I just got to know him who does know what they are. And everything in this book for us to know. And everything for us not to know. And everything in this book is for his glory. And everything is for our good. And it says it's in his right hand. This shows us that all authority and power is in this one who has this book in his right hand. We may say, you know, well, he's my right hand man. Or that, that fellow's right hand. That means that he can't, that this is the one who has all the authority, the power, that you trust him. Well, God holds that book in his own right hand. Authority and power and glory. And then this book is sealed. Sealed. It's known to no one but God himself. Nobody knows what's in that book but God. And they won't never know what's in that book until God allows it to be opened. And it says it's sealed with seven seals. And when it says it's sealed, that means that it's not executed yet. The work hasn't been done. The deed hasn't been accomplished. And it says seven seals. That means they're secret. And that's why we ask the question, who hath ever known the mind of the Lord? Who hath ever been his counselor? Known unto God are all his own works. And here these seven seals, it's sealed. It means his plan's unexecuted. And it's the secret things of the Lord. And if this book remains sealed, God's purposes won't be executed. And they won't be carried out. And for the seals to be broken, not only means that to reveal them, but God to carry out his purpose and execute his will in this world. If that seals are not broken, and that book is not open, then how's God's will going to be carried out? How's God decree? We talk about the decrees of God, but the scriptures tells us it's just a decree. God don't do, he don't look and see, makes all these plans. It's all just one thing to him. We have to do things by bits and pieces. God don't. And I, I like to think of him that way. It just fills me with awe and wonder and reverence and fear before him. And if those seals are not broken, We'll never know the will of God. And God's purpose will never be carried out. But now watch now. And he said in verse 2, I saw a strong angel, mighty angel. And this strong angel issues a challenge. And he loudly proclaims this, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? He issues a challenge out loud. Everybody in the universe can hear it. All hear his voice. Who has the strength? Who has the wisdom? Who is sufficient to know and carry out God's decree? Who can carry out and open this book and make God's purpose and will known in this world? Well, watch what it says in verse 3. And no man in heaven, not a soul in heaven. Abraham's there. Isaac is there. Jacob is there. Our Lord said they were there. Elijah was there. Paul the apostle's there. But there's not nobody in heaven able to open it. No man. I don't care how great they are in the annals of history. Nobody can. Nah. And then he says, no man on the earth. 
Where is that wise man? Where is that scribe? Where is that magician and soothsayer and prophet and witch or seer that can open this book? Where is that person who can tell you all this? Say, oh, cause come by here and I'll tell you the secrets of your life. They can't don't know the secrets of their own life. Much less the secrets of somebody else. And I wouldn't want them to know the secrets of my heart. Only God knows the secrets of my heart and I'm thankful for that. But oh my, none on the earth. Get the wisest, get the magicians, get the soothsayers, get all the prophets. And then he says, and no man under the earth. None of the fallen angels. The devil can't do it. None of the departed of the spirits of just men made perfect. But watch what it says. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And nobody is able to open the book. Now watch this. Nobody is able to open. And here's what it says. And nobody was even able to look at it. Not even worthy to get close enough to look at it. Can't even look at it. Oh, the next time you hear somebody bragging on some preacher, when we was over at Milton's back in the spring, they had T.D. Jakes over there. I don't know if you all know who he is. I didn't know until I got there. But he's supposed to be somebody. And they packed that place out. Thousands, thousands, and thousands comes to hear a feller, bragged about what a great preacher and all that. He, he don't even see what's in this book, much less what's in this. <laughs> Ain't that right? You know, next, when you hear somebody bragging on the preacher and how great he's doing and all that, and here they're talking about there ain't nobody in heaven, earth, under the earth. Not only can open the seals, but can't even worthy to look on the book. And if this book is sealed to us, you imagine what the will and decree of God, how sealed that is to us. And oh my, well, look what John says in verse 4. He said, and I wept much. Oh, he began to cry. And I thought of that so many times. John just crying, weeping. He said, I wept much. Because no man was found worthy. Not only to open it or to read it or to look on it. And he began to weep much because if this book isn't open, There'll be no redemption. There'll be no executing of God's will. There'll be no carrying out of God's purpose. He saw God's glory in chapter 4. Now he weeps because there's no one worthy to open the book, to read the book, or to look on the book. Then God's will won't be realized in this world. And he begins to weep. And he begins to cry. What's going to happen to sinful man? What's going to happen to all these people, multitudes on the face of the earth? And he says in verse 5, now, one of these elders now. And remember, there's 24 of them. It's not an angel talking now. This is somebody who knows something about redemption. It's somebody that's experienced the grace of God. And one of the elders saith unto me, John, <laughs> weep not. <laughs> Quit crying, John. Weep not. <laughs> oh, my. He said, oh, weep not. We've got a conqueror. We found one who's worthy. We found one who is sufficient. And he stands back and that elder says, Behold, I want you to listen now. Behold, who is this? Told him to quit crying. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Huh? <laughs> you remember in Genesis when it talked about Judah being a lion, a young lion, and then an old lion just waiting for his prey. 
and that and that there shall not be a law, the separate shall not depart in a lawgiver, and they shall, shall not depart from Judah's, between Judah's feet until Shiloh come. And that's this lion of the tribe of Judah. You notice how it's capitalized. That's the title of our Lord Jesus Christ. How can he be lion and a lamb? Well, he's both. And oh, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the king. He's glorious. He come out of the kingly tribe. And then he said he's the root of David. And you can read all, how many times is it talking about him being the root of Jesse? A root out of a dry ground. And he's the root of Jesse, the king in glory and in power. And watch what it says. Now, I love this. And hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Oh, it wasn't an easy job. It wasn't an easy task to take this book and to open this book to carry out the will of God, the purpose of God, the decrees of God. Well, how did he do it? Well, it said he was the lion. Said he is the root of David. And he prevailed. He faced everything that was against us. And the greatest thing that was against us was our sin. Our sin. That black, horrible, terrible thing that we're born with. That thing that's in our heart. That thing that's in our mind. That thing that permeates our very being. That thing that separated us from God. That thing that plumbed us into the depths of of depravity and makes us think the horriblest things and do the horriblest things and act the horriblest ways. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ faced, and he faced it head on. And, beloved, he conquered it. And, oh, he conquered that great thing called sin, and he conquered the great obstacle. He conquered death. I was reading just a little bit ago. John Dunn said, Oh, death, be not proud, because when you come, to get me, it just utters me into eternity. And you are abolished as far as I'm concerned. And all oh, beloved, he conquered death for us. Oh, death, where is your sting? And all oh, beloved, and he provided, he prevailed by honoring God's righteousness. God demands payment for sin. And oh, this is what we're pe people missing. They talk about heaven and hell. You, won't, you don't want to go to hell. Hell, do you know? No, anybody's got any sense to want to go to hell. Nobody wants to go to hell. They got any sense to. You want to go to heaven? Yes. Of course we do. But the issue is not heaven and hell. The issue is sin and Christ. And there's nobody going to hell until I mean to heaven until they've been punished for their sin. Nobody's going to be accepted of God until they've been punished for their sin. Nobody's going to be accepted of God and come into God's presence until their sin has been dealt with. That's not going to, God all, that's why our Lord Jesus come into this world to bear sin in his own body on the tree. God is righteous. And wherever he finds sin, it must be punished. And when sin was laid on our Savior, God in divine justice punished him poured his wrath out on him. And our Lord Jesus Christ bearing our sin in his own body there, I was punished for my sin. I haven't got by with one sin. I haven't got by with anything I've done past, present, or in the future. He bore it all there. That's why, beloved, I have no sin. It's gone. Where did it go? Christ took it away. Christ bore it away in his own body. 
So righteousness is established. He prevailed. I didn't prevail. I ain't. I, you know, you all have done this. You've been in religion, or most some of you, a lot of many, many years. Preachers say all the time, you better overcome this sin. You better overcome that sin. You better be crucifying this sin, crucifying that sin. i tell you something. The only place sin was ever crucified was on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. The only place that God ever dealt with sin other than chastising it upon us before it was punished and we'll never have to face it again was on the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how come, beloved, we can come to God with freedom and liberty and access and some confidence. Do I know sin? Yes. Do I have sin? Yes. Do I stumble and fall? Yes. And I throw up the white flag and surrender entirely to life and everything in it. If I didn't know that our Lord Jesus Christ hadn't borne my sin, if I thought for a minute I had to overcome it by myself, I tried that for years. I tried to overcome it myself. I tried to deal with it by myself, by my own strength and own power. And it beat me like I was an unwanted stepchild. It just, it defeated me. And it, the harder I, and you know, I'll tell you what, I'll take, to give you a perfect example. Say, tomorrow, I'm going on a diet. And you'll get up, and all you'll want is cheeseburgers and french fries and fat food. And you get up tomorrow and say, I'm going to overcome such and such a sin, and that sin will attack you from ever It'll come over your head, behind you, in, under you, and everywhere. You can imagine. And that's why, beloved, we got to have a Savior who prevailed. The minute you set out to fight something, you're going to lose. Now, ain't that right? That's been my experience. And that's why this, our Lord Jesus says, come unto me, and I'll not set you to work it. I'll give you rest. <laughs> I'll give you rest. Religion puts you to work. Christ gives you rest. And he prevailed. And, oh, he conquered Everything that was against us, that was contrary to. He conquered the world. He conquered the Satan. He conquered everything that was against us. He took it out of the way and he nailed it, nailed it to his cross. It's like going in a court and they bring out the indictment against you. Oh, you're guilty of this and you're guilty of that. And they bring out a 49,000 account indictment against you. Well, they took that indictment. Our Lord took the indictment of God against us. They nailed it to his cross. And, beloved, it's been honored and fulfilled and the law comes to get me justice comes to get me anybody comes to get me God says the indictment has been done away with and all the charges have been penalty of them has been suffered and he's been punished for them and leave him alone and oh thank God it's that way and they all look not only to that but he, he prevailed to open that book Everybody else couldn't even look on it. And not only is he able to open the book, but he is able to loose the seven seals there. He loosed the seals. And oh, and I love this. And I beheld. And lo, right in the middle of the throne. <laughs> and right in the middle of them four beasts. And them elders. Stood a lamb. <laughs> Behold, a lamb of God. Stood a lamb. 
as it had been slain. Oh, beloved, you know, the only evidence that sin's ever been in this world when God wrapped this world up, the only place that sin, to bear the marks of sin after God winds this world up is only in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we get into eternity, the only evidence that sin ever existed in this universe when God makes a new heaven, new earth, will only be evidenced in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lamb as it had been slain. And oh, he said, and he had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth in all the earth. And there stood this lamb in the midst of all these elders and all these beasts and and that, and that throne with all of its glory and all of its rainbows and all of its thunderings and all of its power stood a lamb as he slain. He earned the right. That's how he prevailed. By being a lamb offered as a sacrifice, offered as a substitute. He earned the right to open that book. And then look what happens in verse 7. And he came. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Can you imagine somebody walking up to the throne of God? God sitting on his throne, and he's got this book in his hand, seven seals, and somebody walking up to it, reaching, and taking it out of his hand? <laughs> there was one who did that. Oh, oh bless his name. There was Who would dare walk up in the presence of God and take a book out of God's hand? I know who did. The Lord Jesus Christ reached up there and got it. He bought the right, Gary, to have that book. And to open that book. And oh, I tell you, the lamb slain. And oh, he was as a lamb slaughtered. And his throat was like they do under the old covenant. Throat was slit. Our Lord's body bled. And our Lord Jesus Christ was the lamb slack sacrificed. And God said... Yeah, let every man and every home take for himself a lamb. Well, beloved, I take this lamb to be my lamb. I want this lamb to be mine. I want this lamb blood to be my blood shed for me. And oh, beloved, that's why. Let me show you. Look in Acts. Keep Revelations. Look in Acts just a moment with me. Acts chapter 8. You know, our Lord Jesus how many times has he presented as a lamb throughout the scriptures? The first place you see blood shedding in Genesis chapter 3. God shed it. God shed it. And the last time you see blood shedding in the scriptures, God shed it with his own son. Uh-huh. That, that first one was just a type but when the substance came, didn't need no more type. There's only been one offering, one lamb that ever put away sin of all the thousands and thousands and tens of thousands and millions of lambs that's ever been shed. Of all the bloodshedding that's ever been, never put away one sin until this lamb had been slain. And then all the sin of all of God's elect for all time was put away once and for all by that one man. Uh, look here in Romans 8, um, excuse me, Acts chapter 8 and verse 30. You all know this story about the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip ran to him and, 
And he got up there in his chariot, and he heard him read from the prophet Isaiah. And he said unto him, and that's what God calls preachers for. It's the very reason. Understand thou what you're reading. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you know what that means? And how many times when we're preaching, or, and that's why God calls us and, and, and bless uh, some men to have some understanding. And, and, and while, while people are hearing a preacher say, I didn't know that's what, that's what that means. Huh? And that's what Philip's he's reading. He's sitting there reading the Bible. Sitting reading Isaiah, and he's reading. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he'd come up and sit with him. Now watch this. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb, dumb before his shearers, so opened not his mouth. Oh, that's how he prevailed, by submitting himself, by giving himself up. And you find when our Lord Jesus was before, when they come to get him in the garden, he was led. When they took him to Caiaphas, he was led. When they took him to Annas, he was led. When they took him to Pilate, he was led. Everywhere he went, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. They didn't force him. He never resisted. He was led. And oh, look what it says back over in Revelation 5 now. And it says back up there in verse 8, he took that book out of him that sat on the right, on the, on the, out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And verse 6 said he having seven horns. This lamb's got seven horns. And horns represent power. Power, force, might, strength. All power, seven, perfect power, absolute power. That's what our Lord has. And having seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. That means the seven eyes. He sees everything, knows all things. And the seven spirits, he's everywhere at all times. Ain't nothing he don't see, ain't nothing he don't know, and ain't nowhere he is. And I love that. That's why David said, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go in the dark, it's light like to you. <laughs> it's like daylight to you. And he found great comfort in that, that. You know when I get up, you know when I get down. You know when I go out, you know when I come in. Everything about me, you know. And David said, oh. And I, don't you love that? I love the fact that God sees me as transparent as a glass. And there's no place I can go. Nobody I can be with. Not a thought goes through my mind that my master don't see it and know it. It's in that airplane today. And I've been in some rough, rough rides. And we were just going along. I was almost asleep. And that thing was boom, 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 boom. And then dropped out like that. People went, whoa, throwing hands up. I just shook myself a little bit and laid back. And you know, I'll tell you what I thought. And if God's honest truth, I wouldn't, and I'm not trying to be pious. I thought, well, this may be the day I get to go well with the Lord forevermore. And I laid back and went back to sleep. Oh, what a glorious thought. <laughs> the lambs prevailed. I don't have nothing to fear. What? <laughs> oh, my soul. Everything that was against me is gone. 
Anybody that's got the authority and the power and the preeminence and the right to walk up to the throne of God and take a book out of his hands, that's somebody I want to know. That's somebody I want to submit to. That's somebody I want to guide my life and run my life and be my redeemer and my savior. Huh? And oh, my soul. Well, I've got to hurry. See, our the Lord, our Lord, when he took that book, that means that he is the one who executes God's will. When he took the book, noting the seals, not only did he execute God's will and carry out God's will in this world, he's the only one who ever did. In fact, he is the will of God. He is the purpose of God. And it's all fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the scripture says that we see not all things put under his feet yet. We look around, we see the world, and we see that mess with the Pope last week and new Pope and all that, all that Antichrist mess. Oh, it was horrendous. They put gold nails in that fool's casket. And our Lord Jesus Christ was nailed, probably with two nails to a cross. Criminals nails. They put gold nails in his coffin. But we don't see all things put under his feet. But I tell you what we do see. We see Jesus. <laughs> Who was made a little lower than the angels. That he by the grace of God should taste death. And then receive grace and glory for you and me. Huh? And oh bless his holy name. God hath committed all things into the hands of the Son. And the scripture says he must reign until the last enemy is destroyed. And here's the reward of his humiliation. He's crowned with glory and the honor. God governs through the Lamb. And from here on, God's on the throne in chapter 4, but from here on, when he takes that book out of his hand, from then on, it's called the throne of God and the Lamb. And oh my that's why if we have one message to ever tell anybody, if you have one thing you can ever say to anybody, say this to them. God has one way of speaking to or be spoken to by any member of the human race. One way that he'll have any dealings with you. One person by whom your sins can be put away. And never vary from that. Don't, don't never be embarrassed. Don't never be ashamed that God Almighty will not have anything to do with anybody except through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Oh, if you got anything to say, how are you going to be saved? By the Lord Jesus Christ. What church you go to, it don't make no difference. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And Oh, now look at the response after he takes that book. <laughs> After he carries out the will of God. God gives all things into his hand. He come and declared to Father. I and my Father are one. Father you give me a work and I finished it. It's done. Now I'm going to come back and enter into the glory that I had with you before the world was. And he says in verse 8. And when he had taken the book. The four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of the saints oh my after he had taken that book and loosed the seals they began to worship and oh that's why we worship now because he's he's executed God's will 
carried out God's purpose. They adore the Lamb. They fall down before Him. And oh, they come to worship Him. And they all had Him a harp, golden harp. And that harp made such beautiful music, you know, a harp is an instrument of joyful music. And they're making beautiful music, praising the Lord. And then they had a golden vial filled with the prayers of the God's people, praise and thanksgiving. And it says they were golden, in a golden thing. It means they were precious to God, precious in the presence of the Lord himself. And then they began to sing in verse 9. They sung a new song. Why is it a new song? Because redemption hadn't ever been accomplished yet. It's a new song. It's new. It's the song of redemption. Accomplished. And that's what I'm saying. This is not something that's going to happen in the future. This is something that had already happened. That's what it's talking about. Christ coming. What he did. And oh they began to sing this song. This song of redemption. And it's new. Because the Lord Jesus is worthy. And never had such a redemption ever been accomplished. And that's what he meant when he says, Thou art worthy. And that's what they began to sing. You are worthy. Ain't that what we sang? Worthy is the Lamb. We have come in this house and gathered in his name to worship him. He is all my righteousness. That's what we do. We come to worship him, adore him, to praise him, to offer thanks and praise and thanksgiving unto him. And oh, whoever dreamed that such a redemption could be accomplished to complete a perfect, a full redemption. And here's why it's new. Because it's for all people. And thou hast was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. All kinds, out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. He redeemed all kinds, all characters, all races, all color, all language. And he done it by his blood. And he redeemed us unto God. Unto God. Thine they were. And Father, I've kept them. And then he says, you've made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. A king and a priest. I don't understand it. I don't get it. That's one of those things that I wish somebody would get up here with me and say, how can I accept some man guide me? I do, you know, a king and a priest? Do I look much like a king to you? Do I act much like a priest? Milton said the other night, he said, somebody told him, said, you the, anybody, nobody ever dreamed you as ever a preacher. <laughs> You know, you, you seem the most less likely person to ever be a preacher. And I thought that was so funny. Because I don't know what a preacher's supposed to look like. <laughs> Do you? You know that. You know, you may be sitting beside one at a traffic light someday. You don't need, he looks like anybody else. But we're kings and priests. That's we do. That's only way I can enter into that is just say God said it so. God said it so. I don't feel like it. I certainly don't act like it. But it must be so because God said it. And then it says we shall reign. Now, I can understand this because, oh, one of these days when he makes a new heaven and a new earth, I'm going to reign with him. You know, I reign with him now. Do you know that? We reign right now with the Lord Jesus Christ. We reign over men. 
Men, we're not afraid of men. Men don't intimidate us. Men don't make us shut up no matter what they say or do. We just keep on keeping on. The world don't conquer us. The world don't defeat us. We reign over the world. This flesh, this awful, awful flesh that we're born with and live with and it will not be done with till they throw dirt in our face. We reign over it. It don't reign over us. And one of these days, we're going to reign with Christ in the new heaven and a new earth. And oh, I'm about done. Oh, I love this. And then he says in verse 11, And I beheld, and he began to hear more voices. And I heard the voices of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And oh my, and the number of them was without number. He uses a definite number to show you an indefinite amount. 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands and thousands and thousands. He just said to go on and on and on and on. And they were saying with a loud voice, and this is what those voices were saying. Can you imagine that chorus singing like that? Saying with a loud voice, Oh my, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. That's the first thing we'll do. That's what we're doing here. And the first thing we'll do when we get to glory, we'll say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. The elder said, the angel said, that multitude that no man can number is all saying it. And they praise him who is worthy. And they attribute seven attributes, glories to our Savior. And they say in verse 12, Worthy is the lamb that was slain, first of all, to receive power. Is he not worthy to have all power? Is he not worthy of it, to have all authority and all power? Oh, my. He is worthy of that. And all riches? Riches? Is he worthy to have all the riches? All that God has and all that God is. He'd been given grace as long as grace has been. And he's still as wealthy in grace as he was the first day he started. And they've been taking fish out of the sea, and they're still fish in the sea. Been taking chickens off the earth, and there's still more chickens than you'll ever eat. There's cattle. You've ate a million steaks, and there's still lots of cattle and steaks that you'll die you'll never eat. I mean, he has it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And then he says the wisdom. Oh, ain't he worthy of all wisdom? The wisdom of God seen in our Lord Jesus Christ. The wisdom of how he can save us and be just. The wisdom of how he guides our life and directs our lives and his providence meets all of our needs. And is he not worthy of all strength and honor and glory and blessing? Oh, yes, we'll bless his holy name as long as we're able in our right mind. And every creature Every creature that's in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and such as in the sea. Everything. Everything that hath breath. Or I heard them saying, I mean everything. Even the creatures in the sea. I heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. There's coming a day. You know, the scripture says that the leaves clap praises to God. And there's coming a time when everything on this earth, the creatures in the sea, the things in heaven, the things on everything that hath breath will give glory to him. 
and the four beasts said amen. And that's what I say. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And I say amen. All glory and power and honor and wisdom and strength and riches and blessing and glory be unto him that lives forevermore. Amen.